Are you ready to get real? Hello, and welcome to Real with MoxieWorks, where we discuss real estate news, tips, and of course, technology. Welcome to The Real. I'm York Bauer, CEO of MoxieWorks, and love doing these podcasts and, and love even more that we have Chris Kelly here today with us. Chris is CEO of Ebby Halliday uh, and one of our, our customers. And, and Chris, I really appreciate your taking time to join us today. York, it's my pleasure. Happy to be here. Great. And uh, you you have a, a very interesting past. Uh, it's like me, you have a past that includes some time outside of real estate and then and then a path into real estate. So I'd love to have you start by uh, describing how you've ended up in the role you have today. Yeah, it's uh, I think we all end up here in some unique fashion one way or the other. And uh, I am a recovering lawyer at this point, but uh, I, did, <laughs> I, I, did, I did start my trade as, as, a, as an attorney in real estate uh, working for a firm in, in Kansas City. Uh, it's kind of a national firm now. And I did real estate uh, litigation and represented creditors and, and real estate entities for about seven, seven, eight years. And uh, actually, had a sister that is a realtor in Kansas City, uh, and uh, her, she was on a real estate team. And uh, when they would they would take an annual trip every year, and uh, the wife of the team leader said, "You need to take your most boring friend along for the ride as your chaperone." And so I was the most boring friend. <laughs> and uh, so I went with them, and but they also brought their broker, and so I met their broker, and uh, she mentioned they were looking to hire an in house counsel at the time. And uh, so when we got back, we traded information and. I, I guess I didn't do anything too foolish on that trip, thankfully. And about three or four months later, I, I went in-house as general counsel for Reese Nichols, which is a large real estate brokerage in Kansas City, and uh, was there as general counsel for about five years. And well, about yeah, about four or five years, and then after that, transitioned over to the business side as their chief administrative officer. Wonderful. Well, that's yeah. As you said, we all have a unique path. That's a pretty good one, though. And by the way, I have to give you full credit as the unlawyer. Uh, you you clearly don't come at it like a lot of attorneys would. So, tell us a little bit about that in the context of the history of of Abby. Obviously, very well respected name now, part of of home services. Home services itself, a, a juggernaut. So, so tell us a little bit about how you got to Abby and and what Abby means here in the marketplace. Yeah. So. Reese Nichols is also part of Home Services in Berkshire Hathaway, has been since about 2001. And in about 2017, I also transitioned from Reese Nichols and started doing more work for at the Home Services parent company level, including on working on acquisitions and servicing all of our brands across the country. And, and I quickly learned when I started in Reese Nichols in 07 that uh, anything within a real estate brokerage is sales. So whether you're the attorney, the CFO, a trainer, it doesn't really matter. You are in the sales business at that point. And so you have to approach it from a sales perspective. And that's really always influenced the way that I interact with our agents, with our department heads, or really with anyone within our companies is, you know, how do we find solutions to these uh, challenges that we face every day as, a, as opposed to the common misnomer of the legal department being the department of no. And so I really tried to, to change that up and, and really come at it from a point of sales. And so I was uh, very fortunate to be part of the acquisition team that uh, worked on the Ebby Halliday acquisition, which uh, closed in June of, of 2018. And so I got really familiar with the company and the great folks that were running that brand. And in about September of last year, I received a call from Ron Peltier, our, our uh, then CEO at Home Services. And um, he asked about my interest in the, in, the, in the position. And it was really kind of a no-brainer. Um, 
I, I it was about one o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday and I said, well, I'll work the rest of the day here and then I'll go home and talk to my wife. And I think I put my fingers on the keyboard and about 30 seconds later thought, who am I kidding? And I uh, drove home that day to talk to her. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I think, you know, by the end of that weekend, we had a, we, we knew what we were going to do. We have friends and family in that area. We have always jokes about a third of Iowa moves from uh, to Kansas City and about a third of Kansas City moves to North Texas over the years. So we were very familiar with the area through friends and family already down there. So started in late October and it's been a, it's been a great ride over the last four months. Wonderful. And I, yeah, I want to respond to your, your comment about everybody's in sales. I, I've always believed that as well, because even inside of, of a company, we all sell to one another to get things, to get things done, to get things to happen. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that and, and how you've tried to, to stand on the shoulders of, of the amazing business that Ebby has had for, I, I believe over 70 years now and how you're trying to take that to the next level. Yeah, so you're, that's exactly right. I mean, Ebby herself, was a, she, she spent time in Kansas as well and then migrated to Texas for, for work, which uh, I've always hoped it was just kind of some nice breadcrumbs for me to follow a little bit. I've always liked that kind of unique coincidence there. Um, but what she did, and then Mary Frances Burleson, the, the second CEO of the company, uh, I'm only the third. Um, really what they did was uh, they really changed the way real estate was done, especially in our market. And then really when Ebby founded the company, you know, she was entering into a man's world at that time and uh, really was a trailblazer for, for women in that industry, which seems unique now looking back because real estate uh, lots of times now is perceived to be female dominated and, or at least uh, it's to some degree. And a lot of it can be attributed to, to Ebby Halliday herself and really setting that tone going forward. And so I feel an awesome responsibility following not just her, but Mary Frances Burleson as well, who really set an amazing trend in in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for how business is done. And Ebby's saying was do something for someone every day. And that's really where I think that kind of plays into that, you know, that being in sales, lots of times, whether whether it's an agent, a client, um, whomever it might be, they're coming with a challenge and um, you can help them find solutions that they weren't even thinking of. So they may be coming to you with a challenge and say, we want to do this. And, th- and what they've thought of probably may not work, but rather than saying no, it's the, well, how do we think through it from maybe a different perspective or find some other solutions that might have been even been better what, than what you were originally thinking about? And when you engage in those types of dialogues with agents and clients, I find it to be really productive and you end up coming out uh, in a great spot when we're working through, again, all those difficulties that arrive in, arise in every real estate transaction. Yeah, to- totally agree. And the, the concept of being of service. And I think that's one of the things that... that uh, certainly I have in my background and how I approach Moxie is the technology isn't there for technology's sake. It's, it's, it's there to help, particularly in a sales world, which is all of real estate, as we've just said, it's there to help enhance that relationship building and, and the, the idea of an agent serving as a trusted advisor to the people they know, and to some extent, the brokerage serving as a trusted advisor to the agent. So can you talk a little bit about that and how you view uh, the role of technology in, in real estate. Yeah. If we were on video right now, you'd see me, I was nodding my head during that entire, everything you just said, cause I, I firmly believe that as well. It's been, it's kind of a trend right now for, for people in real estate or even in other industries to, to kind of yell from the mountaintops. We're a technology company now, um, because it's trendy. It, it sounds good with investors or it might attract that next generation of agent that wants to go work for a, a company that styles itself as a Silicon Valley company. But really, in real estate, um, it is all driven by personal relationships, and I've, I've found it unique and interesting with all the new business models that have have entered, you know, kind of introduced themselves into real estate, which is great. I, I always view competition as a chance to to improve yourself. 
but they're all trying to take out what's been really unique to us, which is uh, the, the agent, that personal connection between the brokerage and the agent and then the agent and the client. And they're all trying to find a business model that that removes that. And when you look at the statistics that 80 to 85% of all real estate business that an agent does is based on referrals um, from past clients, friends, and family. You can't yep. replace that with technology. But what you can do to your point is because the the uh, there is so much more going on every day in our lives, and then the real estate transaction gets more complicated every year too, you can use technology to help improve the way that we connect with our agents and then the way our agents connect with our clients in a much more seamless, efficient, and an intuitive way. So I 100% agree that the technology that we want to adopt going forward is how does this even make us better at those personal relationships as opposed to replacing personal relationships? Yeah, couldn't agree more. And, and one of the things that relates, it's interesting your comment about shouting from the rooftops about technology. One of the things that, that uh, for those of you listening here, two days ago it was announced that, um, that Contactually, a CRM company for real estate was bought by Compass. And there's a lot of consolidation that's going on, both technology companies consolidating. Uh, in this example, a, a brokerage buying a technology company, but also, and obviously, Chris, this is what the case with Abby, with some of the larger entities like Home Services also consolidating some of the brokerages. So can you give us your thoughts on on what do you think that means? And if, if I was a, a, a broker owner, particularly if I were an independent listening uh, to this, what, what advice would you have for them about how to approach that overall topic and specifically then the technology piece of that? Yeah. And so over the last year and a half before my, my role here at Ebby, when I was when I was at the home services level, this is really what I was working on a lot with our team, which was this whole idea of working with trusted data partners. And, and we certainly, to kind of play on what we were just chatting about, the personal relationships, the back end of that is as we use technology to enhance our relationships with our agents and with our clients, what you get back in from, from, from using that technology is lots of data now. And how you use that data, how you secure that data, who you share that data with is very, very important. And we spent a lot of time thinking about those agreements with our data partners on making sure that uh, we are being trusted. When we are trusted with that kind of data from an agent or a client, that we only share it to the extent we need to. And we only share it with uh, trusted partners that we know are going to do the same on their end. And uh, even by including in those agreements now some, some clauses that talk about if there is some consolidation or mergers at a different level, and we view that new entity to be a competitor of ours, we have an opportunity to potentially unwind this relationship because that was happening repeatedly and repeatedly. I mean, a bunch of companies quickly got onto Dot Loop as a transaction management platform, and then Zillow bought them. And, you know, everyone had different feelings about that. And then Skyslope is owned by Fidelity, and, and it just is going to keep happening. And so you have to really think about it on the front end of when you enter a relationship with a trusted partner as opposed to being reactive when one of these mergers happen. And so, you know, I think home services, from my perspective, has done this really from the right angle, which is, you know, yes, increasing the ability to a lot of the things in-house by adding technologists and, and, and designers uh, to your fold, but you can make so much more leaps and bounds by, by partnering with great data partners like, like Moxie, for example, to where you can have this great relationship with one another where you're actually benefiting each other and it's not just a vendor-vendee relationship. And so um, when folks talk about, hey, we're going to do this all in-house, I mean, that's a really difficult way to do it um, because there's things that you're doing at Moxie that we just certainly aren't equipped to do on, on our end. And uh, 
but as you enter those relationships, it's it's really kind of looking down the road, which is why you know we've been very thankful to have a have a partner in you for sure. Yeah, thanks thanks for the kind words there, Chris. And I think one of the things I'm we're trying hard to get the industry to understand is that. Uh, and unfortunately, I think contactually is an example of this, where if the data is contained in the product itself, the product may have an API and may have integrations. But if you remove the product, the data is removed with it. And maybe you can take a, a download of it or whatever. But uh, in reality, the data is just, just gone from any useful perspective. And as you know, Chris, with the Moxie Cloud, the data in our world lives in this common platform that powers not only our apps, but those of 50 partners, uh, some of which you're using. And I just think that's the right way to go about it because now the data can live on. Even if you were to choose to not use one of our apps that you're using now, the data can live on and be used by by other apps and not not be in some backup somewhere where no one can, can have any uh, use of it. Because, I mean, when, what's your perspective? And given that you did um, M&A and, and uh, expansion for home services. What do you think the market is going to do? And I'm not asking you, obviously, to disclose stuff you can about home services, but just your view of the industry. Is is consolidation going to be a longer-term trend that brokers are going to cons- continue to consolidate in technology companies as well? Yeah. I mean, I, I think part of it is just the realities that we're, that we're living in. And so if you look over the last 30 years in the in the brokerage world, we went from an average company dollar. And so what I mean by that is when a dollar comes in the door, what, pers- what, you know, how much of that goes to an agent, how much of that goes to a brokerage. And if you go back 25 years ago, it was 65, 35. And so you had a nice 35, 40%, you know, brokerage market margin. Well, that nationwide now, if you, you know, averaged everybody out is now 16 cents. So every dollar, 16 cents goes to the brokerage, the rest goes to the agent. And that's before the brokerages, you know, paid their leases, paid for their technology, paid for their employees, staff, and everything else that you provide to run the brokerage. And so with those thinning margins, you almost have to find scale. And I really think that's what home services and others have have tapped into is that if we have larger scale amongst one another across the country through sister companies, then we can still provide the full service brokerage experience that our agents expect and that our clients expect in turn from their agents, um, but do it under the current economic realities that we live in. And so um, I would really suspect that we'll see the continuation, if not acceleration of, of consolidation in the brokerage world where brokerages realize I can do a better job for my agents and for my ultimate consumers if I am scaled along with an organization that meets my culture and model. And that's the part that's really important. It's, it's one thing just to gobble up a bunch of companies and grow. But if they don't fit your culture and your model, then it's it's doomed to fail. So um, as you grow, you can find those companies that are aligned with you culturally. And that's where you can really leverage one another to, uh, again, still provide that same service as everyone wants from you. But you're making half of what you did, you know, just 20 years ago. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. And particularly on the cultural point. <clears throat> and the same is true in technology companies. You know, we're, we're kind of, technology is obviously very, very different technology businesses than, than real estate brokerages in, in many respects. But one thing that, things that we have in common is 80% of our expense walks in and out of our building every day. You know, we, we're dependent, our, our, our factory floor is the people that we have. And so I, I'm super sympathetic on that. And I think one of the things that that I'd be curious your thoughts on that's related to that in my mind is I, I spoke last week at the Leading RE conference on this topic. When, when you ask a broker what they worry about, they go, oh, recruiting and retention. But we believe it to be a, a three-legged stool that is recruiting, retention, and productivity. Because if you can make an agent productive, they're much more likely to stay and it gets much easier to recruit 
others that see that. So how do you feel about that topic? And, and what are, what do you think is the role of technology in, in helping all that happen? Yeah. So it's interesting. So we just yesterday had a leadership meeting where we were going through with our entire team, our, our wigs for 2019. So our, our wildly important goals. And, you know, one of them obviously was recruiting an engagement, you know, engagement of our current agents. But then the third one was absolutely was agent productivity because you're you're hundred percent right is that when agents are productive their business is growing um, they're happy and that's what we want and um, we're really fortunate in our market with Ebby her average agent productivity over the last two years has is ranged between ten and eleven so ten or eleven units per agent wow yeah that's spectacular double the national average and um, but we can even do better and really where that comes down to oftentimes is for new agents it's getting them to that commission check faster. Um, the faster we can get them to a commission check, the faster, well, the, the, the better that we're going to be equipped to keep them as an agent and keep them in the business. Because I think that's where the most of the fallout comes from is they come in very engaged and excited and they're trying to get up to speed and do everything right, but they can fall into that trap of getting ready to get ready. And what we want to do is empower them to get to a deal. And once we get them to a transaction, even if you don't feel like you're quite ready yet, you have a team around you to help you get through, through that first transaction. Um, because once they get paid once, then we get we really have an opportunity to see them successful long-term with us. And then for experienced agents on productivity, it's getting them the tools that will help them uh, not work more, but work smarter. And that's where, you know, when we looked at engage and present those were the ideas for that even new agents and experienced agents, you know, based on what we saw our fellow home services companies experiencing. So not even to mention what, what your stats show from your end, but what our own home services sister companies were showing, that presented a great opportunity for us to increase productivity for our agents, no, even when the market might be softening or declining, or at least there's a perceived softening of the market in, in different areas of the country. Yeah, thanks. And that, uh, we obviously are in, in violent agreement there. I mean, we see it across our entire network now. We see a 40% boost in in transaction volume per agent uh, across the averages when they, they use a system like ours. And I, I will say this, I mean, we're obviously proud of what we do, but I think as, as is often joked, the, the best system to use is the one you have. In other words, just use these things and, and your agents will get better. Uh, I think we're all we all fall prey to the human behavior problem of we we concentrate on the things we like and enjoy and think we're good at and we ignore everything else. <laughs> uh, so a lot of this stuff is just accountability and providing people an easy place to hold themselves accountable and have the management help them be accountable to their own their own goals. You mentioned the softening of the market. What what do you think is is important most important to focus on as the market uh, corrects or or softens? Because we've had a lot of there's been a lot of flashy stuff, a lot of lead chasing and so forth, um, as the market has been in expansion mode for some time. What, what would you say to your your brethren, your your fellow brokerage owners and, and leaders out there about entering the downturn here, or at least the mentality to prepare for a potential downturn? Yeah, I think, you know, I I think sometimes we in the real estate industry forget that we we may not be able to control how many homes are going to be sold that year, but we certainly can shape the narrative or the impression of why it's happening. And um, we create it. And so when we were in that market, let's say two to three years ago into that, that very hot seller's market, you know, all that we said was, we need more listings. Your listing will sell fast. Your listing will sell more than list price. And when you had a seller that was on the market for 28 days and had to drop their sales price by 1%, they asked you, what went wrong? 
And uh, you're like, nothing. That was amazing. And and so <laughs> the new normal, what becomes normal happens very quickly and it lasts longer than it should. And so right now, what we're experiencing is, is that the clients still believe what is normal, that that went away six, eight, nine months ago. Um, and so we are returning to what is probably more likely even a balanced market as opposed to a down market. If you ask a lot of buyers over the last three years how much they enjoyed the market, most of them would tell you that it was very stressful, that they had to put in multiple offers on different properties before they were finally the one that won it. And they felt like maybe they paid more than they would have liked to on their home. And so the heated market over the last several years was certainly great from a lot of people's perspective. But as you get more balanced and homes are on the market to what we would traditionally believe to be a normal amount of time and, and the leverage is more equal between buyer and seller, that's not a bad thing. Um, certainly, we enjoy the uptimes, but when things normalize, um, that's when you got to really get back to your basics of blocking and tackling. And for us, that's typically saying, look, if you want to last in this business, you need to list. And to list usually means working with your past clients and never losing touch with them and staying engaged with them and providing them information making sure that when that transaction closes, you remain that trusted advisor for that property for the entire time they own it. I mean, imagine opening up a 401k and the only time you ever talked to your advisor was the day you opened it. Uh, you want to hear from them and tell you, <laughs> how did it? How did I do this year? How did I do this quarter? And that's what we can do on homes, considering that for most people, the home is their largest investment. We can do that exact same thing. And so staying engaged with your past clients is the best thing that we can do right now to make sure that referral business continues to come in because people will continue to sell lots of homes, especially in our Dallas-Fort Worth market right now, uh, regardless of what might be going on. We still have a lot of job growth um, where we're at, um, 108,000 jobs added just last year. Um, and over the last eight years, there's been 750,000 jobs added in Dallas-Fort Worth and about a million new um, residents. And they predict about the same thing over the next seven to eight years. So we've got a lot of opportunity ahead of us. And it's uh, the main thing to do is like, you're right, you can chase your tail with all that lead chasing, but the key is staying in touch with the people who already know you, like you, and trust you. Yeah. We're obviously in violent agreement and a couple data points that I'll, I'll share with you in the audience here too, because we, we've seen this now across, you know, many, many thousands of, of agents. Uh, we have 120,000 agents actually now on our platform. And what we see is that on average, an agent has about 400 people in their sphere of influence. So what we also know from the NAR data is people are transacting roughly once every 10 years. So if I know 400 people uh, and 10% of them transact, that's 40 people. And if I just stay in touch and half of them pick me, that's 20 transactions. It's an amazing living for most, most agents in most markets. So it's, yeah. it's ironic in some respects that, that the distractors, as, as we like to call them, the so-called disruptors, have, I think, taken everyone's eye off the ball a bit here. And I, I, I agree with you. The companies that will do well in this in this normalization of the market, because uh, I agree with you, as, as you talked, it's really more of a normalization, not a downturn. Those, those that do well will list, and, and those listings come from your sphere. And so those that stay focused on sphere will do disproportionately better, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Chris, you've been very generous with your time and your willingness to, to share all this with uh, with an audience. And um, I thank you for that. I thank you for being our, our customer. And I look forward to many more of these uh, interactions down the road. So with that, uh, Chris, thanks for your time. And all those of you out in the audience, thanks for your time as well. And we'll talk to you again soon on another one of these podcasts. Take care. Thanks for getting real with us. See you next time.